his karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams, thanks for everything, mom and dad, will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. It is Sunday, June 19th, Father's Day, and Juneteenth. This is Sunday Take. I am Blois Olson. Welcome to the program. Well, we've been waiting for the politics to shift from the legislative session, the policy, how to spend the surplus, to the politics. Who's going to win? How are they going to win? What are the issues they're going to talk about? The personalities, the players. And I think that pivot really turned a corner this week as the special session conversations melted down. The poking, prodding, and positioning really shifted. We'll break down why the session ended and why there won't be a special session, very likely, until at least later this fall. And then we'll talk politics. My take on five things to watch and to think about as we go forward here in election 2022. This is Sunday Take, and we'll be right back. Thanks for listening to Sunday Take. I'm Blaise Olson. We're back with the five things to know or think about in the next month or two months of this election. First and foremost, the governor's race. It is the top of the ticket. There are no federal races. There is no presidential race. So ultimately, that's the big issue here that Minnesotans will be watching and feeling. And as I've said multiple times, this is an election about how people feel. It's not just about the issues. It's how they feel about the issues. Other elections were how they thought about people or how they thought about issues. With inflation where it's at, economy where it's at, crime where it's at, people feel uneasy. They're exhausted from the pandemic. They're uneasy about the future. And so it seems as they're going to be open. So this week, one little tidbit was that Real Clear Politics changed the race in Minnesota from leaning towards walls to a toss-up in the governor's race. Much of that is because of a MinPost poll that showed the race within three points or so. It's only June. Minnesotans don't decide these races until the last two to three weeks of the campaign. So... We can't say in June somebody's going to win or somebody's going to lose, and and I wouldn't do that, but it's a signal. Because at this point, one term in, Mark Dayton is in a much more solid position than Tim Walz is. 
And we can only learn from history. I would say Tim Walls is in a similar position that Tim Pawlenty was in when he ran for a second term and he won. And so history and the populace of Minnesota will decide this. So watch the governor's race. If it's a toss up in June, that's not good news for Walls. But we also learned this week he has more money than Scott Jensen. And Democrats have more money than Republicans, which they traditionally have. And so that's the second point. Watch the money race. Republicans tell me it took a while for Scott Jensen and the party to heal, but that large donors and people have started to come on board. They also cite that in the Jensen case, you have to pull the ticket, not just Scott Jensen versus Tim Walls, but Scott Jensen and Matt Burke versus Tim Walls and Peggy Flanagan. Why? Because Matt Burke may be the best known name on the ballot and name ID matters and Burke's name ID will help Jensen. And Burke has clearly taken up this role of, uh, how do I say it? Poker in chief. He's going to be the one who is the man on the street is the poker. And so you got to watch that as number two, the money race. It will be a factor. But is it, it's not going to be the only factor. People have lost races where they've outspent their opponents for eons. And so when you look at these races, it's how you feel and it's the operation because the DFL also has a better operation and that may matter just as much as money. The other piece is the third party phenomenon. A lot of people look at the AG's race. It's the Republicans' greatest hope to win statewide. They have their own primary. Will Jim Schultz, the endorsed candidate, win? I think he's the favorite, but you can't say he's going to win because it's a crowded field for him. Meanwhile, Keith Ellison, who has more money than the Republican slate combined, avoided having a pro-marijuana candidate run against him. That may give Ellison a five-point boost in the race. Walls has a pro-marijuana candidate. Other campaigns have pro-marijuana candidates. And when you start to count votes on the margins, this race isn't going to be decided by 10 points or 15 points. It's going to be decided by two, three, four points. So it's significant that Ellison does not have a marijuana candidate running against him, and that should help him a little in what is sure to be a very tough race. Fourth point, watch the primaries on the Republican side. We're going to talk to Senator Karen Housley about it in a little bit, but watch those primaries. If incumbent Republicans win, then that says Republicans of all stripes are motivated, will get out, etc. If those sitting senators lose to more conservative or more, quote, liberty, end quote, focused candidates that align more with Trump, then it says Democrats may be able to swing back and talk about kind of outside the mainstream thinking of the Republicans. But those legislative races are local, et cetera. And then just for fun, 
watch the parades, watch the festivals, watch the reactions that politicians get at those places. And let me know what you think. Email me, tweet me. Watch how they are responded to. Do people cheer? Do they jeer? Do they want the sticker? Do they not want the sticker? If you see a candidate, let me know who it is. What's the community response? Because ultimately all politics is local. This is Sunday Tech. I'm Blois Olson. When we come back, State Representative Ryan Winkler, Majority Leader in the House, candidate for Hennepin County Attorney, on what he saw go wrong with the special session negotiations. This is Sunday Take. We'll be right back. The first conversation this Sunday morning on Father's Day is with a father. Uh, and we'll sit down and have a cup of coffee here. Is with Ryan Winkler. He's the Majority Leader of the House DFL Caucus. We're talking this week about not just why the special session didn't happen, but the issues of the special session and how they add up into the election. Happy Father's Day, Ryan. Thanks, Blois. The same to you. Unfortunately, I'm not a father of a budget deal that will help uh, Minnesotans. Well, you know, there's only certain things that you can father because you need a willing partner, um, but we won't extend that. That's that's enough. Morning. (laughs) Um, So just talk a little bit about kind of what happened from when session adjourned until Thursday when Republicans definitely said we're not interested in a special session. We don't think there's a deal here. What was the mood? What was the tenor? I know there was work. I know there was calls, but what was, was there, was there ever a a cooperative dance partner on the Republican side? What we kept hearing uh, was that the Republican rank and file in the Senate did not want to come back and pass a budget deal. And we kept talking with Senator Jeremy Miller, the Senate Majority Leader, and he kept saying they were willing to talk. What happened finally Thursday, uh, after exchanging some offers on health and human services and public safety, is that he said they are done and not going to live up to the 444 framework deal that we had at the end of session. And when when he like as you're exchanging offers and history tells us that people exchange offers, sometimes those offers are public, sometimes they're not public. Were the final offers, uh, how far apart, how would you characterize how far apart the final offers were? So we had an agreement on the overall architecture of the deal. It was $4 billion in tax cuts, $4 billion in new spending, and $4 billion saved for the reserves for future years. We were working out the details on some of the spending bills, but some of those spending bills were done and the tax bill was done. So most of the budget was pretty well wrapped up or very close to it by the end of session. And we could pass a tax bill. We could pass a bonding bill. We could pass uh, with a little bit more uh, work, an education bill. There's a lot that we could do still that we already have agreement on. And there's no reason for anybody to be walking away. This is just good work. Uh, This is not revolutionary. This isn't going to be a huge progressive victory or a major conservative loss. This is just basic governing. And there's no reason they should be walking away from this. You know, one of the things that gets talked about inside the bubble amongst insiders, and you mentioned it, you kept hearing from within their caucus, within your own caucus, and I'll ask, Senator Housley, who's my next guest about this, about inside her caucus, but inside your own caucus, was there 
was there a we need though we need education and health and human services finalized before we vote on a tax bill was there a chicken or an egg problem on that there's always an issue with republicans and democrats at the legislature tax bills have to start in the house or they can't become law and we usually uh and this is both parties uh historically the house will not pass the final version of the tax bill until everything else is wrapped up it's basically institutional insurance on the house side that the deal is going to be done so that's not new and it's not a blocker uh in fact if we reached an agreement to pass three or four bills instead of all eight uh we could pass uh those three or four bills and send the tax bill and it wouldn't be an issue at all okay my guest is ryan winkler he's the majority leader in the house dfl we're he's also a candidate for county attorney in hennepin county and we're talking about why the deal fell apart for a special session. Um, personalities matter at these times. And, and you know, Jeremy Miller's new to his role. You've been an experienced legislator. The previous deals got done with Paul Gazelka. Did personality matter or is it more politics and that it's an election year as, as you got a sense of why they didn't want to come back at the end of the day? I think it's mostly about personalities and new leadership on the Senate Republican side. My guess is that Senator Miller made an agreement with uh, Speaker Hortman and Governor Walls and did not know how to deliver within his own caucus. You know, we've, you know, there's a lot of talk about how challenging it is to get votes and so forth. On the Democratic side, we have always had a caucus, a team ready to pass the best form of a deal that leadership could strike with Republicans. So I think it could have been done. I think Senator Miller just didn't have the sea legs yet as a leader to get a deal done this year. Let's talk about the issues that didn't get done in the deal. What you think voters are talking about as you're out door knocking, as you're talking to voters, you know, you look at public safety, you look at childcare, you look at nursing home funding, you look at education, you look at taxes. What of those issues, if you have to rank them on people's minds, where are where are voters, what do they bring up when you're at the door? What do they feel most emotional about as voters this year? I think the economic insecurity brought on by a combination of the workplace changing and inflation makes people unsure. I think that uh, uh, the levels of crime that we've been experiencing makes people very uh feel unsafe in places in our communities where they typically would feel safe. And I think there is this just sense that coming out of the pandemic, that things are not coming back to normal as fast as we want them to. And people just feel uneasy about a lot of things. That's why, you know, state government is not going to fix that in one budget deal, but there are things that we could do that would make a difference and help probably would not affect the election very much one way or the other. It's just the kind of basic work, you know, I, um, we talked for many years about exempting social security from income tax, state income tax. That was in the tax bill. We had a provision that allowed renters to claim a tax credit for the amount of their rent that goes to pay property taxes for the landlord. That was in the tax bill. Both of those things would make a difference for people financially this year, provide a little bit of help. And so there's a lot of good work that got left undone. I think that sense of unease that people feel is uh, not going to go away immediately. And we just need to do a better job of delivering improved lives for people, better finances, 
better investments in schools so kids are better supported, better roads and bridges and transit, all the basic building blocks of a stable, successful society we can invest in. And there's no reason for us not to do that this year. As you think about that, and as we wrap up this conversation, those issues, public safety being one of those pieces, it's, you know, on Friday, the DFL sent out a press release that says Senate Republicans refuse to fund police. You're, you're a savvy political guy. You know, Democrats have a little bit of a liability on police due to the, you know, kind of rhetoric after George Floyd from members of the Minneapolis City Council. When you talk to real people, what is it that, you know, let's strip away Minneapolis. Let's go to Golden Valley, St. Louis Park, YZ, where I know you're talking to people. How do they feel about their police and their police force and their sense of safety? I think people in the suburbs generally feel very positive about their local police departments. And their local police departments have not had to uh, deal with issues uh, as intense as what happens in Minneapolis. And Minneapolis has had a a city government not able to deliver a uh, police department that actually serves the citizens of the community very well. So, you know, I think people in the suburban areas don't feel safe um, in Minneapolis. I think people get concerned about shootings at gas stations or on highways, like on 169, and they think, what is going to come next? But I don't think they live with the same day-to-day concern about uh, gun violence in their neighborhood, like people in North Minneapolis do. Yeah. And, and they're very concerned about their safety too, um, and are looking for the city to provide them a police department that actually serves their needs. Brian, thanks for joining me on Sunday Take. I hope you get to relax and hang with your kids a little later today. Uh, well, Sunday at least. Uh, um, it's a nice day to rest. There you go. Stay cool. When nice. we come back, Assistant Majority Leader of the House or the Senate Republicans, Karen Housley, will join me. She'll talk about the Republican perspective on why the deal didn't happen. I'm Blaise Olson. You're listening to Sunday Take on News Talk 830 WCCO. Final cup of coffee this Sunday morning is with Senator Karen Housley. She's a member of the Republican leadership in the Senate. And, you know, we're a few days away from where the special session isn't going to happen. And so much has been said, but as always, we want a little more of the inside scoop on the dynamics and senator housley joins me now senator thanks for joining me thanks so much for having me Blake. so uh, talk about kind of what you your sense the conversations how close it was the last few weeks on a special session and how much of it was senators going back from back to their districts talking to their constituents played in versus when you're in session you know there's a lot more we're here, we got to do it now. What's the difference between those two dynamics? Well, it, it was, it's actually really, really frustrating that uh, we failed as the Senate Republicans that we passed everything that Minnesotans wanted. Um, and then like the tax bill for, for getting Minnesotans, which we've heard about for years and years and years, an exemption from social security tax. That's a huge one. And the Senate uh, tax committee they, uh, and the house, Democrats, they came to a resolution during conference committee and an agreement. And so we're like, okay, great. We've got a tax bill done. That's amazing. And we'll have ongoing tax relief for Minnesotans every, you know, week after week, month after month, year after year. So that was exciting. So extremely frustrating and disappointing that the House held that bill hostage 
hostage and Minnesotans hostage uh, and didn't let something that was agreed upon pass. They instead kept that bill back, wouldn't send it to the floor to get passed, uh, instead wanted their their controversial policies that nobody on our side agreed to. But unless they got that, they were holding these other things back. So it wasn't a matter of going back to our district. This was agreed upon. So that's what's extremely frustrating. When you say controversial policies, what, what do you specifically mean? Because to me, it's sent up like kind of a tax bill versus spending bill. And obviously, spending is not Republicans' favorite thing, but you know there were things that Republicans had a sense they wanted to spend money on, like nursing homes. What what do you mean by controversial, and where were Republicans willing to spend money? Well, first I'll go to where we were willing to spend money. It's where we have a a, a real crisis right now, and you know this is my wheelhouse when it comes to long term care and, and protecting Indeed. our seniors. Yeah, we're going to have so many of these long term care facilities and nursing homes closing over the summer. Uh, it, we are in a crisis. We're gonna have our, our moms and dads and our grandparents being homeless. So that bill, the Health and Human Services bill, we were so far apart, uh, like $500 million apart, not even not even close because they, the Democrats did not wanna spend money prioritizing our seniors. Uh, instead, they wanted uh, special projects that weren't in a crisis. So that one, that one we were, well, again, disappointed because they weren't prioritizing our seniors. But when it comes to controversial policies, um, public safety, that was one where we wanted we wanted to be tougher, uh, have tougher penalties on crimes when it comes to carjacking. Yeah. And the Democrats wanted, wanted to spend money on um, community policing. So, that, I mean, those are two different trains of, of thought. So we were far apart there, too. I wish we could have gotten closer. But I, the thing is, and this is what I'm out door knocking right now. Um, you know, we all are out campaigning. That is the number one issue in the suburbs is people want to feel safe. And in the order to feel safe, we got to spend more money keeping our police officers and recruiting more. But the Democrats did not want to do that. I'm talking with Senator Karen Housley about why they weren't able to get a deal done at the Capitol, why there's not going to be a special session in the near term. One of the dynamics that we've started to talk about here that I don't think gets enough attention and without breaking the rules, can you kind of give a sense of how a caucus decides their positions on these things? Because my sense is that caucuses kind of poll their members to say, what are you for? What are you against? Where do we have the votes? That kind of thing. Did the caucus's view change after you adjourned or did it stay pretty much the same? Our, our uh, caucus, we were very, very united, and we were the same throughout. From the beginning of when session started, our priorities were um, education, which we got a billion dollars that the Democrats refused for literacy. Um, education and health and human services are our um, long-term care facilities, and public safety. That was from the get-go, from January, we were all in that camp, and so... Um, all through session, we stayed there, uh, had agreement on, on some bills, but on these big ones, uh, it didn't change after we went, after we adjourned and went back to our, uh, if anything, um, we heard from our constituents that thank, thanking us for standing strong um, to all of the, the spending that the Democrats wanted to do. It was, I mean, we, we gave, uh, and which was hard 
for a lot of members of our caucus to even spend $4 billion, um, $4 billion in tax, re tax relief, $4 billion in spending, and $4 billion left on the bottom line. That $4 billion of spending was really, really hard for some folks, but our members got there. So yeah. after everybody went back to their districts, uh, people, are, especially now when you see where the economy is going, even worse than it was when we started session, um, it's, it's bad. We're well, you hear that there's a, you know, a, a hurricane on the horizon of a recession. So um, I'm, I'm glad we didn't spend the $4 billion, but we were, we were all in. And this is the other thing. I'm sorry I'm rambling, but That's all right. there is a real constitutional deadline of, and it was May 22nd this year. So, so we took that seriously, and we were all hands on deck all the way to the end. And to not get the things that we agreed upon, to hold bills, big bills hostage to harm Minnesotans when it comes to tax relief and long-term care facilities uh, is really, really disappointing that the governor in the house did that. You've run statewide. You've been around. You're also from a part of the state, the Eastern suburbs of St. Paul, that's, you know, more purple than it is hard red or hard blue. What's your sense of the mood of the suburbs on the governor on issues as you kind of kick off your door knocking in your re-election? Um, it's really, really good. And I, I talked to all the other candidates across the state. I, and in some areas, it's like 100% fabulous. But in the suburbs, um, it's really, really good. They are public safety. Again, like this weekend, we're doing a catalytic converter uh, theft. Actually, it, it's going to be next Saturday. Um, at the Bayport police station, because, you know, that's a big issue. So, yep. so public safety is, is a huge deal when you're knocking on people's doors. Um, and then of course they're, they're kids in education and making sure that they're learning to read and write and arithmetic and not these other crazy things. We want to make sure that parents, there's transparency in our education and parents are involved. And, and again, taking care of our, our elders and our most vulnerable. So, so the mood out there, it's, much better than it was in 2020. It is, it's, it's good for Republicans. And our message is right on. That's the one thing that really firmed it up with us is what we thought all along during session and what guns we were going to stick to is what the people at the door want us to do. Sounds good. Senator Housley, thanks for joining me on Sunday Take. When we come back, it will be Pete Najarian and Mike Max on the huddle. They'll be talking sports. If it's Sunday at nine on CCO, you know it's politics. It's Sunday take. Throughout the week, if you want to subscribe to our newsletters, go to fluence-newsletters.com. I'll be on with Vanita Monday through Thursday at 620, and we'll be back next Sunday with the next edition of Sunday Take. Have a great Father's Day and a great Juneteenth. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hiya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas... Phoenix, and Rhode Island. Jam like you're all in the same garage. 
Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. US Q3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.